When an old man is jumped by three assailants, the police are on the lookout. But are they looking in the wrong direction? And then we look at a story of a group of aliens that landed their UFO and wanted to pick up some rocks. But they landed on the wrong planet. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really, really do. I hope you guys are safe. Hope you guys are safe more than anything. You know, it's really hard to do super contemporary stories. I originally just recorded like 15 minutes about what's going on. There's a, and I'll, I'll make it brief because I don't think it's super interesting. It's really boring the way I talked about it. But apparently, there's a conspiracy theory going around that uh, there was a complete blackout of Twitter coming out of DC. Massive cover-up going on. Could be a troll thing. It could be an astroturfed campaign. It could be real. Um, who knows? I went into a lot of detail about it. I'm going to leave the links in the show notes because honestly, I think that it's it's leaning more likely to a troll. It's definitely not worth talking about for 15 minutes, but it, it, you can check it out yourself. There was an interesting note, though, a personal experience I had while I was watching the live feed of the protest in Washington, D.C. I was watching on Fox 5 News. I was watching it. I was playing Minecraft, Minecraft servers backup. I'm sitting there mining redstone. Afraid goblins are going to get me. And I start the live feed, and the woman's like, the newscaster goes, yeah, and I look at all this graffiti. Oh, I'm so sorry, there's, like, cursing on the wall. (laughs) There's, like, a witch's curse on the wall, toil and trouble. And she's like, no, we're all cursed. She goes, I'm sorry, I didn't see the the cuss word on the wall. I apologize, but the the protesters have already been to this area. And I'm continuing to watch the live feed, and I'm I'm playing Minecraft. And at one point it does that, it does like that emergency noise. And I look over and then it cuts back to the feed and I go, oh, you know, it's probably just chaotic there. They're switching between things. And I keep, I'm, you know, doing my stuff. I built like this giant house with all these different rooms in it. And I keep listening to the live feed. And probably about an hour and a half I'd been sitting here playing Minecraft. I mean, I got to figure out something else to do. But I'm playing Minecraft and watching the protester feed. And then... And then they cut to a reporter, and she's like, as you can see, there's a lot of graffiti in this area. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't know there was going to be cuss words here. I apologize for that, but just... And I look over at the... And I'm on the Fox 5 News website. I'm watching their live feed, and I look over, and I'm listening very carefully now. They had looped their quote-unquote live footage. So for the past hour, who knows how much... It could have been when it cut to the emergency signal for a second, and that could have been when the loop was inserted. Because there's no ads. So at some point, they looped their footage. For all I know, I was watching the second version of the loop to begin with. So that was weird. The the Fox Fox 5 News looped their live footage. It was no longer live. I'd been watching footage that had I had watched previously so that's bizarre but then there's this claim that there's been such mass arrest there's been claim that the ability to tweet outside of DC was shut down which which other countries have done that so that makes sense but anyways so but that it's an interesting story but not 20 minutes or 11 minutes or whatever it ended up being interesting story it's going to be in the show notes also it's one of those stories that I think is so um transitory i don't know if that's a word but it's basically it will be proven or disproven within the next 12 hours so i didn't want to spend a huge amount of time talking about it but there we go let's talk about an old man (laughs) let's talk about an old man 
who got beat up. You know what? And actually, because I kind of jumped into that, I didn't do any of my normal intro stuff. Let me say this. A couple months ago, I had a contest to see who could have the best Argentinian conspiracy theory. And I actually and I actually neglected to ever let anyone know who won that. It was Temporal. Temporal, thank you so much. Temporal actually sent me a conspiracy iceberg of nothing but Argentinian conspiracy theories. I didn't even know that existed. He also sent me one that was Brazilian conspiracy theories. And I said I was going to send him a book on Amazon. And he's like, yeah, it's just too much trouble. Just, uh, I really appreciate helping out the show. So for your prize, Temporal, you are going to be our, you are going to be our vehicle for today. Since you're Temporal, since you're like a portal, let's all step inside Temporal. We're going to teleport over to Houston, Texas. Temporal's like, oh, that tickles. It's November 6th, 2019, Houston, Texas. Craig Lamell, 65 years old, is on a, he's walking down a hiking trail near his house. Dun, 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 dun. And there's three dudes in the bushes, and they're like, their eyes are glowing. Little computer display comes up, so I estimated age 65, height, I don't know what's reported in the newspaper. And the three dudes look at each other, and they sync up, and their eyes all glow green. And then, then we see, like, bully vision, and they're, like, running on all fours. And Craig turns around, and they beat him up. They beat him up. He goes to the hospital. He's in the ICU for a week. But just a month later, December 2nd, he's readmitted to the hospital. He he'd went home. With bleeding on the brain, he dies. And the police are trying to find these three guys, these three half-human, half-android. Like te- technically, the word is cyborg, but he's trying to find these guys. They can't. It's almost like they don't exist. Weird, huh? Alan Bischoff. He's 82 years old. I'm assuming no relation to Eric Bischoff, although I may be wrong on that, considering the wrestling moves this guy's about to exhibit. Alan Bischoff. He's 82 years old. He's married. And he's a relative of Craig. Now, I don't know if he's a cousin or what. I read multiple articles about this. And I could not find how he is related to Craig. But he's so related to Craig. It's not like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's across the street. He wrestled in SummerSlam 88. He's related enough that it is part of his punishment, if that makes sense. Let me just continue to tell the story. Alan Bischoff worked for Chevron. And about five months after his relative, Craig, dies, Alan retires. Now... He ret- hey, see you guys later. Bye, Chevron. Oh, I love you so much. He's like hugging oil barrels. They're like, no, no, no. Don't do that. He falls in. He's like, bye, oil. Bye, uh, whatever <laughs> whatever else Chevron does. Bye, rubber, plastic. I don't know. People are like, dude, you're saying goodbye to the wrong company. He's just saying goodbye. He's 80, actually, now I'm thinking about it. 82 is a very old age to be retiring. Like, he probably was walking down the street and being like, bye, I loved working here. And it's like a laundromat. And people are like, who is that guy? He's walking down the street in his slippers. He leaves his job at Chevron. Now, he left his computer, obviously. He left his work computer. And his employer's like, oh, you know what? I want to see. I want to see what the plans were, what NWO was really going to do back all those years ago. So he logs into the Bischoff's computer and doesn't see anything about WCW, but he does find a document called Confession. So, okay. 
turns out that these two dudes, Alan and Craig, were banging each other. Which, whatever. He, Alan's married, and I've made this comment before. Don't cheat on your wife. It's tacky. But just, listen, dude, if you want to bang someone, and this was his relative, so that was still against the law. But just don't, don't divorce your wife. Like, that's just tacky. So he, they're banging each other. But that wasn't it. They were literally banging each other with their fists. So Alan and Craig were into hardcore S&M elderly sex. I'm going to rewind this episode 20 minutes and say this episode is not family friendly. So Alan was the Bischoff of the group. Alan was the guy who was doing figure fours. He was getting them in uh, Boston Crabs. Is that a move? Is that a move? I don't know. I just made it up. I think it is. I thought, or maybe the crab. Anyways, he's getting him in all these moves. Sting is up in the rafters, just kind of looking down, shaking his head, throwing up every once in a while. Alan and Craig are having hot, sweaty, elderly, sadomasochistic sex. And turns out that Alan just re- allegedly really, really, really wanted to lay into Craig. I mean, just like, just wanted to give him a good old-fashioned Hollywood Hogan beatdown. But... You need to, I mean, here's the thing, like, there are times, you'll come across these where a dude kills a woman while they're having sex, and it's like, I choked her too hard. They were planning, allegedly, planning an ass-kicking so hard that they needed a cover story. Because they'd be, he'd be punching him, and and Craig would be like, oh, that tickles, getting madder, getting madder, breaking out the chair. It's time for Hell in a Cell. They're done doing simple little ladder matches. So they come up with the story. I am going to beat you up so severely. It's going to look like three men did it. Looks like three men. No tag teams involved in this one. It's just me and you. We got money in the bank. The bank being our alibi and the money being how much I'm going to punch you. That doesn't make sense. I'm running out of wrestling terms. So anyways... Here's where we go. You have Alan just beat up Craig to a bloody pulp, pretty much. Ends up putting him in the hospital. Now, he took photos of Craig bleeding out on the floor. And he described his lover as, quote, a helpless baby. Funny, because the other day I was talking to a friend, and my friend goes, uh, you, know, you know, I don't mean to kink shame or anything. And I go, oh, I will. I absolutely will. I absolutely will kink shame if you ever describe your lover as a helpless baby and that turns you on there's something wrong there's something there i'm gonna i'm gonna shame that kink so yeah dude that's gross right i think we're in all general agreement that i i'm not there are some things that should be shamed taking beating up an old man because it gets you off taking photos of him bleeding on the ground and then saying oh yes Oh, yes, that looks so, that, I mean, shame, 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 shame. That's just gross, right? So I think we're all in general agreement. 0.001%. There's like, right now, four elderly people listening to this podcast. They're like, no, but my shame is my greatest joy. It's still gross, bro. Anyways, he does state in his confession, and the confession that he typed out and left on his work computer, that while he was punching him hard, he didn't think he was punching him hard enough to kill somebody. But that doesn't matter. Because you killed somebody, right? It doesn't matter. You can't go to the the judge and be like, well, your honor, I was only punching him. I, if, if he was 90 years old, it was a kill him. But he's 65, so I figured it would just kind of mess him up a bit. It doesn't matter. You, people get prosecuted all the time 
like I was saying, the example where people choking other people, men generally choking women during sex, and they die. It doesn't matter. They're like, I've applied that much pressure to a hundred women's neck, and they didn't die. Paralyzed from the waist down, sure, but didn't die, your honor. Doesn't matter. The fact that you're doing something kills him. Now, he was charged. I didn't know this was a charge. This is a very specific charge. He was charged with aggravated assault of a family member. So the fact that they're related actually makes the crime worse. I guess it probably falls into domestic violence at that point. It's also interesting that he's charged with aggravated assault of a family member, but he's dead now. He's dead. So generally, and this happens, if you commit an assault, you have, I think it's a year and a day. If that guy dies within a year and a day, you can get charged with murder. If it's after that, it's legally something else. So let's say I beat you into a coma. Comas might be a little bit different. This is street law. This is street law stuff. Let's say I beat you really, really badly, deflate along, stuff like that. And you live nine months after the assault, and then you die, I can still get charged with murder. Because they can say the murder was caused by the injuries that I gave you. So this this may change the murder charge, but right now it's aggravated assault of a family member. So, And again, I read multiple articles. I couldn't figure out how these two were related. It's just gross all around. We have sadomasochism. We have incest. And when I say sadomasochism, let's say there's a difference between spanking your partner and beating them so badly it looks like three men did it. There's a huge wide gulf there. We have sadomasochisms. When there's, again, not light spanking. Christian Grey would be, ugh, that's disgusting, old man. We have sadomasochism. We have incest. We have adultery, cheating on your loved ones. And then we have murder all wrapped into one. It's disgusting. So Alan Bischoff hangs up the belt. He's being led out of the arena. The Undertaker picks him up, throws him out on top of a folding table, breaks. Cops rush in, cuff him. He's like, I'll get you next time. The WCW will be around forever. Are they still around? Did they, they folded into the WWE, right? Did you hear? Here's a little rumor for you. I told my little brother this the other day, and he was like, we both just basked. In this knowledge. Here's a little Hollywood tidbit before we move on to our next story. You know Todd Phillips, the guy who directed the Joker movie. um, Which was really good. I really enjoyed the Joker movie. The ending didn't work for me. The speech at Murphy's or Murray's uh, show. That speech was stupid. But everything else worked. Supposedly, Todd Phillips' next movie is The Life of Hulk Hogan. (laughs) And here's the thing. To me, Hulk Hogan represents the glitz and glamour of the 80s and the seedy dark side. Because growing up in the 80s, I was in Riverside. I was in um, Riverside County. We were near near L.A. We'd cut school and go to Disneyland. We were 20 minutes away from Disneyland. And so you had the glitz and glamour of the 80s. You had the Donald Trump 80s. I had the Donald Trump board game. Um, You had Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. At the same time, there were crack wars going on 20, 30 miles from where I lived. And so you had this juxtaposition. And that wasn't just me, obviously. But you had this juxtaposition of these massive skyscrapers. Glittering excess fueled by cocaine. And then these dark alley deals where people are getting shot. I think Hulk Hogan exemplifies that. You have this hero of America. And then when we look at professional wrestling as a whole. There's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of dark energy in that arena. And I think Todd Phillips could pull that off perfectly. That just... Movie news, movie news. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Temporal, come back over here. He's He doesn't want to. Come on, hold, you got to hold him down. For you, hold him down, and each of us are going to jump into his portal-like body. We're doing the slider thing. And now we are appearing 
in Venezuela. Now, you guys may not want to enter any more contests because it turns out the winner gets used as some sort of transportation device and we hold him down so we can use him. But now Temporal shows up and because Temporal's been such a good sport, we're going to toss him the keys to the Carpenter Copter as well. Now we're going to fly because we've abused him a lot this episode. Temporal's flying around the Carpenter Copter. Wee-hee! We're flying around Venezuela. We're specifically headed to Caracas. Now, this was a recommendation from Bennett. Bigfoot Bennett. He's recommended a ton of stories to us over the two years, and he sent me a whole batch of them recently, so I really appreciate that, Bennett. This is one that actually had been on my radar before I got his email, but this was the little push I needed to do the story. Now, I didn't wait on this story because it's not good, because this story's pretty dope. We're in Caracas. Bring that carbonicopter nice and low. It's November 29th, 1954. It's about between 2 and 2.30 in the morning, and there's two dudes driving to work. We have Gustavo Gonzalez and Jose Ponce. Isn't Ponce like a slang term for a gay dude in Britain? Is it? Or am I getting that wrong? Anyway, I hope it's not, I hope it's not for this guy's sake. Gustavo and Jose are driving to work. And, you know, you want to get to work. You want to be able to do a good job. You want to exchange your labor for monetary compensation. But instead, that's not going to happen this night. Because they're driving down the road. It's super dark. And then all of a sudden... A giant glowing sphere is blocking the road. And they stop the car. Gustavo jumps out of the car. And he's like, yo, I gotta get to work. I've already been late three times this week. My boss is gonna fire me. This is why I always say don't be late to work, guys. Don't be late to work. Because eventually there's going to be a time where a giant UFO is going to be blocking you. And that's really the last time. Like, if you were late one more time this month, you're fired. That's the day the orb blocks you. But Gustavo jumps out and he sees a little hairy dude walking in front of the orb. Little hairy dude. He's about three feet tall, covered in hair, head to toe. Big feet, but tiny. He's a tiny little dude, three feet tall. Uh, in, in UFOlogy, sometimes these are referred. This is a kind of medium obscure story. It's not super obscure, but not really well known either. They're referred to as Littlefoot. This guy's referred to as Littlefoot, but he has nor he has normal big feet. He has bigger feet than is needed on a three-foot body. So some people think he's maybe like a baby Bigfoot. It's hard to tell, but whatever. We don't know. We're not going to call him Littlefoots because I think that name's kind of lame. We're just calling him these little, little hairy dudes, right, are walking around. Now, Gustavo sees this little monster man, right? He's wearing a loincloth, not Gustavo. That was bad grammar. The little hairy man is wearing a loincloth. And has sizably big hands with claws on them. Shlink, shlink. Big feet, three feet tall, walking around, loincloth. UFOs blocking the road. Now, Gustavo does something that I can't recall happening in other UFO stories. At least not this early in UFO stories. He grabs them. There's no attempt to communicate with them. He's not like... What are you here for, great furry one? Or, oh my god, get away. No, he just walks up and grabs a three-foot-tall guy in a, in a loincloth. Which might make you popular at, like, a, a furry fan club. But in real life, just don't walk up and start grabbing people. Especially if they're standing in front of an alien craft. He walks up, he grabs this creature by the arm. Then, in Gustav, this is his thought process. This is Gustavo's thought process. I'm gonna take this guy to the police station. Right? So... He's, I, I, he must really, really want to get to work this day. 
So he sees this tiny little guy, he's three feet tall, he's blocking the road. Gustavo goes, I'm going to take him to the police station. But to do that, several steps have to have. The police station isn't in like on the side of the street. He has to grab the guy, carry him, put him in his own car, then drive the car to said police station and turn him in. So there's a lot of steps involved in this. Step one, I'm going to grab this thing that I don't even know what dimension it's from. He grabs it by the arm. He said, he starts to pull it. Right? He starts to pull this little guy. A little bit of leverage, because you're talking about a dude who's, what, probably five foot ten versus someone who's three feet tall. He grabs him, and he says he felt light. He goes, if I had to estimate, like, just by pulling him, he felt like he only weighed 110 pounds, which is which is fairly light for a human being. For three feet, that might be a little heavy, but, I mean, I've known... Uh, that, that's pretty average. That's That's, like, on the under average of a fee i think the average weight of a female is like 135 and so we would be looking at you know 110 is fair being underweight young woman that's how that's how i weigh stuff what that car that car must weigh as much as 100 women so anyways he grabs it he realizes it feels kind of light but what happens is once the little dude i'm doing my best not to call it little little foot once harry realizes that gustavo's dragging him he kind of braces himself for a second, and then simply flings his arm. Like, you know those movies where, like, Terminator's walking around and people are like, get out of here. They're hitting him with pool sticks and then Terminator... What do I say those movies? There's only one movie this happened in, Terminator 2. They're hitting him with pool sticks and he just kind of moves his arm slightly and the guy flies across the room. Or like when Worf is, like, fighting some aliens. That's what happened in real life here. You don't need to be on the next generation. This was this generation. In 1954, the alien simply moves his arm, like swats Gustavo away. He flies 15 feet back. Whoa! And he starts to get up. He's getting back to his feet. And then when he's back to his feet, did you like that sound effect? I actually had to fly back to do that sound effect. As he's getting to his feet, two of this dude's homies hop out of the UFO. One of them is carrying... What looks like a flashlight. Now you don't have to be you don't have to be a UFOologist to realize that if an alien is holding something that resembles a flashlight, it's probably not a flashlight. It's probably some sort of weapon or something that if it simply shines a light on you and makes your pupils dilate, you're lucky. That's kind of what happens. This dude's pupils dilate into nothingness because he's shot with this beam. And Gustavo is now blind. But he's not like completely blind. He's just legally blind. So he can still see kind of blurs. The aliens need to work on their blinding tech. The aliens are kind of moving towards him. He sees these figures moving towards him. Now, to be fair, remember, Gustavo started this. Gustavo started this. In a real world situation, you're driving down the road. There's a car broke down in the middle of the road. It's not a glowing orb. Maybe it's a Subaru. But it's just like a sob. And you get out, and there's like some short guy trying to work on his car, and you grab him by the arm. And you, that's it. You're going to the police. That's how this encounter happened. And then the aliens, I'm not pro-alien. Anyone who's listened to this show for a long time knows I'm not pro-aliens. But Gustavo started this. The aliens jump out. His homeboys jump out. They blast Gustavo in the face with a blinding ray that blinds him, legally blinds him, but he can still see blurriness. The three aliens are now advancing on Gustavo. Gustavo pulls out a knife and he's looking at him he's looking at these three blurry things he's looking at him and he 
stabs the closest alien. And the blade connects with the alien's shoulder and just slides up the body. Not slides up like it's cutting him open. It's like if you took a knife and hit a refrigerator with it and it will just go up. He said it was like rhino skin. He says the blade, he was hitting it with all of his force. He had um, Alan Bischoff come and help him put a little put a little weight into it. Alan, the spirit of Alan Bischoff helped him with that maneuver. But he put in as much force as he could, and he said it connected with him, but then it just slid up. It did no damage to the alien. He said it was like rhino skin, which makes me wonder, does this guy walk around stabbing rhinos all day long? And he's like, dang it. And so when he stabs something that's not a rhino, he goes, now this is a familiar feeling. But apparently he does know what it's like to stab a rhino, because that's what it feels like. At this point in the encounter, remember, Jose is here the whole time. He didn't run away to get help. He wasn't helping at all. He was in the truck watching this whole exchange. Watch Gustavo get out, start manhandling an alien, get thrown back 15 feet, shot with a space beam, pull a knife out, start trying to stab an alien. Now, Jose's finally like, oh, wait, I'm that guy's friend. I'm the only human around for hundreds of miles. I should get out and help, too. He gets out, he starts running over there, but what he sees is he sees one of the aliens at this point has broken off from the melee. One of the aliens is like, oh, dude pulled out a knife, I'm out. The alien runs up a hill and starts grabbing rocks, starts picking rocks and handfuls of dirt. What I think at this point is the aliens probably landed here to do some sort of geological... They're probably the nerdiest of all aliens. They don't get sent to mutilate cows. They don't get sent to abduct humans. They get... They, hey, nerdos, you go pick up the minerals. Oh, can we please use the anal ray today? Ha ha ha. You get the blind ray. Don't tell them it doesn't even work. I'm not gonna. Hopefully they'll get jacked by a bunch of dudes in Venezuela. They're the dirt crew. And they land their ship and it, this whole melee breaks up. This alien, like, while, while everything is just going into the pooper, this alien's like, oh no, I gotta, gotta finish my mission. He's picking up rocks, he's picking up dirt. Jose starts running over to him. The alien looks at Jose, that his hands full of dirt and rocks. Jose looks at the alien, the alien turns and jumps six feet into the ship. Like, he just jumps off the hillside and just disappears into the orb. At that point, another dude hops out of the orb. Now he's holding a tube. Spoiler alert, it's not just the tube. He's holding the tube, and he points it at Gustavo and Jose. And then it, they start vibrating. And both Gustavo and Jose are frozen in place. You know the guy with the tube was in there the whole time watching this thing on a monitor? And he's like, I swear to God, if I gotta get the tube out again for these losers... I'm getting a new assignment. Every time we land on Earth, one of them ends up getting stabbed. Okay, great, great. They're chasing the dirt guy. Dang it. And he grabs the tube off of the rack. But anyway, so they use the, t- they use the tube, the vibrating tube. The ship disappears. Jose and Gustavo go to the police. Now, what's interesting, I mean, the whole story is interesting. But they do, they go to the cops. And so they come to the police station and we have like, the statement that the cops said when they came into the station that they were, quote, neither drunk nor insane, unquote, which is great that the cops are that good. They can diagnose someone on the spot. They're like, that man is not insane. That man does not suffer from manic depressive disorder. But police listen to their story. They really don't believe it. But they begin investigating, and what they find out is all over the region, 
because the story gets out. It becomes a big news story in the area. All over that region, people start coming forward and said, oh, no, I totally believe him because that night I saw a bright light flying through the sky. And someone else was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I saw that, too. I saw a bright light. Now, we've seen stories before that, like the great moon hoax, where people said they saw people on the moon and other people are like, oh, yeah, I saw them, too, boss. I saw the, the little people on the moon. So that happens, but we had a lot of people come out and say, yeah, I saw a light. Some people were saying that they were hearing screeching noises coming from certain parts of the land. Other people were saying they heard an explosion late at night. So who knows? It could be an element of people of, uh, it could have been that they were actually witnesses to this phenomenon. It's also likely a little bit of mass hysteria or that they're just making it up. They want to be part of it. But the two people who swore up and down they were never making it up was Gustavo and Jose. And they pretty much stuck to their story that on that day in 1954, they just want to get to work. A bunch of aliens showed up and they just had to start grabbing them and stabbing them. The grab and stab, Earth's greatest defense. Although you do have to wonder if it really was their last day they could be late for work. And the boss was like, you better have one hell of an excuse for being late today. And they're like, uh, yeah. Our excuse this time is out of this world. And Gustavo's like nudging, nudging Jose in the ribs. And Jose's like, oh, dang it. Stop it. So who knows? It's one of those stories that it definitely has more than one witness. It has two witnesses. I think it's an interesting story. Bennett, thank you so much for sending it to us. If more Close Encounters of the Third Kind went like this, not only would this show be a hundred times more exciting... But aliens would just stop coming to Earth. If every time an alien landed on Earth, someone pulled out a knife and tried stabbing them, yeah, they wouldn't be coming here anymore. So the moral of the story is, don't mess with Earth. Because yes, the knife didn't, the knife didn't do anything, and these two humans technically got beat up by these aliens. However, it showed that, keep, get, your, get rocks on Mercury, bro. Get your rocks on Mars. Earth rocks are for Earthlings. If you're going to take a little bit of our planet, someday we're going to build a fleet, we're going to go to your planet, and we're going to take those rocks back. Remember the rocks. Remember the rocks. Remember the rocks. Right now in some space museum, those little earth rocks are vibrating with this raw human energy and how angry, how angry we are that we're not tumbling those rocks, that we're not polishing those bad boys. Instead, they're locked up in some alien prison. We got to rescue those rocks. Remember the rocks. Remember the rocks. Make that make that the slogan you take with you for the rest of the, the next 30 minutes that you remember this joke. Never let an alien take what is rightfully ours. Which, which you know, The rocks that we would have ignored, they weren't in the story. They should be sitting on some dusty road in Caracas. But it doesn't matter. Now those rocks are special. Remember the rocks. Remember the rocks. Please just remember the rocks. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Start a GoFundMe for the rocks. DeadRabbitRadio is your daily paranormal... DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>